¡Párele, párele! Vengan acá todos. Vengan a ver esta palomita que me encontré en su nido. <risa> Está echadita. Oiga, señor. We are federales. You know. The mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Better not come any closer. No sea tonto, hombre. We didn't try to do you any harm. Why don't you try to be a little more polite? Give us your gun, and we leave you in peace. I need my gun myself. Oh, uh, throw that old iron over here. We'll pick it up and go Norway. You go anyway without my gun and go quick. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Britt Reinholtz Hobson. And I am Joey Rogate. And before we uh, we head out into the Mexican desert to try and find the treasure of the Sierra Madre. We, uh, we're we gonna, gonna give you some uh, some recommends this week. Um, I've lost all, I'm, I'm, I'm going insane like Bogart does and I've lost all sense of who should give, who should go first. Anybody itching to give their recommend? I'll go first because it's, it's, it's a different one that I'm excited about. Um, so I'm not historically a big TV person. I watch like sitcoms and movies and you know, like reality TV, but um. I watched new Netflix show Beef last week. It came out last week. I watched all ten episodes in like three days, starring Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong. I loved it. It was dark and deranged and sad and lovely all at once. Um, it's it's road rage gone fully vulnerably psychotic, and it it fully got me. It's something that I could definitely see people not getting into, but I think if you get into it, you'll really appreciate it. I watched two episodes of it and I really liked it. Uh, we're going to keep watching it soon. But both my husband and I were were super into it. I think it's great. Yeah, really enjoyed it. That's exactly the number of episodes that Melissa and I have watched so far. And and so far, we're, we're, we're totally in it. It's um, and, and I yeah, I like I like seeing Ali Wong out of the, like a like stand up yeah. kind of context. I think she's really good she's what I've seen so really- far. She's, she's really good. Yeah, because like Stephen Yoon, you know he's going to be great, but Ali Wong just really goes to it. Because she's always very funny whenever I've seen her, but she's really good and there's just a lot to her. And it goes it goes some ways, guys. I'll tell you, but man, if you're if first two episodes if you're in, I think you'll stay through and really appreciate it. Um I mean, if if there's any indication, we assumed that the whole gun thing was going to go on for like the entire season. And that gets resolved so quick. And we're like, great, this is going to just keep going and going. It's going to spiral. We can't wait. So, yeah, they don't linger. They they, they just let you be horribly uncomfortable. And I, I really appreciate that. So, you know, I, I just I caught it one night. I, 
and I watched the first episode. I was like, oh, all in. And we watched the whole thing in like three nights. Nice. Awesome. So Beef, Beef is on Netflix. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Britt, what are you recommending this week? You know, this was a hard week to find a recommend. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, everything I was watching just didn't really hit home for me. And I just had no inspiration but, you know, I decided to go with a movie that's about greed and the fragility of the human psyche. So everyone, just go watch Michael Clayton if you want to watch a movie about greed. Going to be perfectly honest. Uh, I went into it with, like, basically no context. I knew it was about, like, attorneys or something. But it's so much more than that. Um, I don't want to give too much away. If you already know what it's about, go watch it anyways because the performances are great. Tilda Swinton and George Clooney are fantastic. But I actually think that this is Tom Wilkinson's best performance of his career. So... I'm going to say Michael Clayton. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so Joey, you got to see it. You good. Very consistently, I'm told often to watch that. It's become one of those things where I think I've been told too much to watch it. So I just can't because I'm difficult, but I have to just I have to watch it. There is literally a closet that is probably the greatest set dressing I have ever seen in my life. I cannot get over how realistic this closet looks. It's really stupid, but I was like, God, look at those hangers. My parents have all of those hangers. This is such a lived-in place. Like, That's great. Watch it for the closet. Oh, man, that's great. That's amazing. Um, awesome. Lovely. Uh so my recommend is something that uh, I had heard of once before and in my, you know, in my ongoing quest to just own every movie that exists, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you go to the, you go to the Dollar Tree and sometimes they sell movies and sometimes I just buy random shit. Um, so I have a really a, a movie I knew nothing about called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's about a, it's about a militia group who, uh, have to convene one night because there's been a shooting at a funeral for a police officer and oh. some, somebody from the group believes it was one of them. And when they go downstairs and look at their, like their cache of weapons, uh, an assault rifle is missing. And one of the guys, uh, James Badgedale, who has been in a bunch of stuff. Um, he was in the Pacific and uh, flight and so you would recognizable face. Um, he was a former cop who could interrogate people. So he's basically tasked with trying to, to find the person who did it. Um, it's a lean 88 minutes, but it's a nice thriller and it's all it's pretty much all contained to the that area and that time. Um, and it's also, you know, it's on Tubi if you if you want to check it out. But it's, you know, it's one of those movies that back in the day might have hit theaters and you might you might have got you might have seen it or rented it because it looked interesting but we don't live in that world anymore so i feel like this is a movie that's going to go way under the radar um and the guy who directed it i just want to shout him out his name's henry dunham it was his first it was his first feature film um and i think he's got a good he's i think he's got some uh some some work ahead of him because i thought this was pretty good oh that's awesome. awesome i'll check it out for sure i love the name me too. The standoff at Sparrow Creek. Yes. It's a great name. It sounds it sounds fun. Okay, so we've got uh, uh, a movie you definitely probably have not heard of with the, the standoff at Sparrow Creek. Uh, Beef, which is definitely <laughs> trending on Netflix right now. And just one of the one of the reasons why 2007 was a really great year for Best Picture nominees and Michael Clayton. So 
So there you go. Um, we're now going to uh, turn our attention to another film that was nominated for Best Picture back in 1948. And that is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This was uh, written and directed by John Huston, based on the novel by B. Traven. Uh, are we going to have Brit's Literary Corner today? No, we're not going to have Brit's Literary <laughs> Corner because I decided to watch the movie before reading the book. And after watching the movie, I decided I don't need to read the book. And I wish I had, actually. <laughs> Going back and, and hearing what people have to say about the book, I, I wish that I had done that. But I was... I was so un uninspired that I just was like, I'm leaving it. I don't want to read this book. So I, I read a book about uh, called uh, Sacred uh, Sacred Scriptures, and, and it's all about horror movies that are religious. So I read that instead. Amazing. That's cool. Amazing. Well, I'm sure we'll delve into the the mystery behind B. Traven when we get into this, maybe some of the behind the scenes shenanigans. Um our three main cats, our, our three main goldies out there trying to find all that 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 money. Uh, we got Humphrey Bogart uh, as Dobbs, Walter Houston as Howard, and Tim Holt as Curtin. Um, supporting characters who I, you know, shout out because they played some some decent sized roles. We have Bruce Bennett who plays James Cody. He's the poor schmuck that follows them and gets killed. Uh, Barton McLean as Pat McCormick, the the worst employer probably of all time. Um, what a dick. Far Alfonso Bedoya as Goldhat, who gives one of the most uh, kind of iconic lines in film history. And then, uh, you know, our, our director is in the film as the uh, the American in the white suit and a young Robert Blake tying it back to Lost Highway um, as a Mexican boy. So, you know, God bless 1948. Um, so uh, that, that's 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 who I'm going to shout out in terms of the cast. Um, John Houston quite a few films in the book i'm gonna name what those are he uh has the african queen the asphalt jungle battle uh the battle of san pietro uh a movie called beat the devil which is no longer in the book uh the dead fat city pritzy's honor and previous episode of the show the maltese falcon um what's what's all what is your john houston familiarity the maltese falcon that's it. Yeah, the Maltese Falcon, uh, I'm a big fan of. And um, in Chinatown, where he doesn't direct, but he's in. Fair. Fair point. Yeah, so that's you know, where I'm really. But, yeah, you listed off all those, and I know most of the names, but, yeah. Not a lot of relationship with them, to be completely honest. And and that's kind of mine too. I mean, I I definitely am interested in the asphalt jungle. It seems like a really cool kind of noir flick. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. This time period in Hollywood isn't really, uh, which is it, you know, it's a golden age of Hollywood. But it's not one that I've dove straight into. Um, I've watched you know a lot of, a lot of the the big movies from this time, but I haven't really ventured into ones I might not have heard of or ones that I have to dig for. This is not my cup of tea, to be perfectly honest, this this time period. So And they were and they were just cranking movies out too. They sure were. So it's it's and it was funny. I um uh there's this company in the UK called Indicator and they 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 make nice editions of movies and they had this 
I couldn't believe it went on sale. The timing was great. They had a Humphrey Bogart noir selection, all oh, movies cool. I'd never heard of. Oh. Six movies and and ridiculously cheap for for the amount of movies and like this awesome booklet that it came with. But like I looked at like these are six Bogart movies I'd never heard of that all came out in like a four year stretch in the forties and I'm like wow they really were just like just making these movies. Well, I think it was on his contract. Yeah, I was listening just to them out. the making of. Um, he was a contract man, so uh, they he was guaranteed at least one film a year from Warner Brothers, and that that's all like at least one, and he could do more on top of that. So they they really worked them to the bone on those contracts. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you know the uh, the Academy Awards, you know, uh, best supporting actor, best director, best screenplay wins. Um, it would end up losing Best Picture to Hamlet, which we we kind of talked about a little bit with the Red Shoes, which I'll bring up uh, here in one second. Um, at the BAFTAs, it lost Best Film from Any Source to Bicycle Thieves, Golden Globe nominations, uh, National Board of Review nominations, the AFI Top 100. It uh, was on the original list at number 30 and the current list from 07 at 38. This film is in the National Film Registry. Uh, it got inducted into the second year that they were doing it in 1990. Some other inductees... Uh, from films that we have covered on this show include Raging Bull, The Great Train Robbery, It's a Wonderful Life, Duck Soup, Bringing Up Baby, and All Quiet on the Western Front. All of those films inducted into the same year, the second year that they did this. Um, so before I move on, uh, Best Picture nominees in 1948, we have Hamlet, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, The Red Shoes, the Snake Pit, which I watched before The Red Shoes, and a movie called Johnny Belinda, um, which uh, got, had the most Academy Award nominations that year. Um, now, I haven't seen Johnny Belinda, but I'm, I, I'm, I think The Red Shoes is the movie of that bunch, personally. It's, it's definitely, of the ones I've seen, it's my choice as well. Yeah, I think it's the it, it does. I, I mean, just the ballet scene alone, I think, is just so impressive mm-hmm. that it has to, it stands out above the rest. I mean, I haven't seen Johnny Belinda's, so it definitely stands out, though. I do love the name Johnny Belinda, though. It sounds like a real it's good a, time. I just imagine some guy eating a sandwich in New York. <laughs> I think it's I a pseudo, it. I think it's kind of a western, actually. Just to be, to be honest. oh, really? I think so. <laughs> Thinking of guy, I'm Johnny Belinda's. Let me get some Supersad and some Galamar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a great film. Joey, you should go make that film. I'll go watch it for sure. Joey Not is Johnny Belinda. That's that's what it is. <laughs> there we go. I mean, <laughs> it's literally or just go to any place near my house. Some <laughs> Um. So the the IMDb two fifty. Is it is it on there? Do we think it's on there? I'm going to assume it's, it, well, see, I would say no, and then it probably will be. It, it's definitely on there. It's definitely on there. I, it hurt me so much not to look, but it has to be on there, right? It's it's definitely on there. Um, it is yeah. it is on there at, uh, it's number 146. Uh, I'll kind of read what's around it. 142, wow. really surprised to see it on this list, and this high is Shutter Island, uh, the Scorsese what? DiCaprio project. What? But but it's there. Uh, number 143, everybody's favorite best picture winning film, A Beautiful Mind. 
um, somehow ahead of number 144, Jurassic Park. Uh, what? <laughs> because because that's how it works. Um, uh, recently talked about Kurosawa's film Yojimbo is at number 145. Uh, then we have Treasure of Sierra Madre at 146. And then how these next films are all about, I can't believe this, 147, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. 148, No Country for Old Men. 149, The Great Escape. And 150, Kill Bill, Volume 1. Somehow, Shutter Island and A Beautiful Mind are are way better than the films I, I just... It doesn't make... Ugh, the, the fucking rankings. How is Shutter That's... Island even on that list? <laughs> I don't get it. I certainly enjoyed as a watch, but, like, this is this is bananas. This is just something else. I don't even think I finished it, to be perfectly honest. I liked the book, and then... Oh, big surprise. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, this is terrible. I can't watch this, and turned it off. I very much enjoy the movie, but above Jurassic Park, what the hell are we doing? Above all the rest of those, well, not all, but majority of the rest of those, that's nuts. So, so a little, just a little, little peek behind the curtain for for those of us listening. I I emailed you both today, um, asking that if you hadn't yet read Bosley Crowther's original New York Times review, to to not, to not read it. Because I really wanted to to get your immediate reactions to it. Um, so uh, the first the first two paragraphs sound like a, a typical Bosley Crowther intro. Uh, Greed, a despicable passion out of which other base firmaments may spawn, is seldom treated in the movies with the frank and ironic contempt that is vividly manifested toward it toward it in Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and certainly the big stars of the movies are rarely exposed in such cruel light as that which is thrown on Humphrey Bogart in this new picture at the Strand. But the fact that this steel-springed outdoor drama transgresses convention in both respects is a token of the originality and maturity that you can expect of it. Also, the fact that John Huston, who wrote and directed it from a novel by B. Traven, has resolutely applied the same sort of ruthless realism that was evident in his documentaries of war is further assurance of the the trenchant and fascinating nature of the job. So those are the first two paragraphs. And now I'm going to cut just right to the end. Just just right to the end. Great. Um, okay. These are, these are the last two paragraphs. Equally, if not more, important to the cohesion of the whole is the job done by Walter Houston, father of John, as a wide old sourdough, for he is the symbol of substance, of philosophy and fatalism in the film, as well as an unrelenting image of personality and strength. And Mr. Houston plays this ancient with such humor and cosmic gusto that he richly suffuses the picture with human vitality and warmth. In the limited, somewhat negative role of the third prospector, Tim Holt is quietly appealing, while Bruce Bennett is intense as a prospecting lone wolf and alfonso bedoya is both colorful and revealing as an animalistic bandit chief to the honor of mr houston's integrity it should be finally remarked that women have small place in this picture which is just one more reason why it is good uh, Bert, i'll let you go first <laughs> wow 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 um I- I, never have I wanted to dig up someone's bones more to set them alight. This is one more reason why I don't care about this film now. Thanks a lot, Mr. Crowder. I mean, they, they even say specifically don't even talk about women. Oh, yeah. It, there's like two women in the whole movie. 
And They'll one is just a, a sex worker who walks back into a, a walks into frame and walks out in the background. I I when I when I read this line, I was kind of alluding to this to Brittany. I I read it and I in my in my office on campus, I audibly was like, no. <laughs> when you sent that, I actually had it like up, but I didn't get a chance to read it. So I was like, all right. So I wiped that page. And I was like, <laughs> I was imagining which way it would go. Oh man, I never would have gotten to that. Uh, it should be finally remarked that women have small place in this picture, which is just one more reason why it is good. Oh wow. Well, well, he's dead to me. I mean, he's dead to the world. He's dead, but he's, he is a dead. He is now just dead. He's dead. He, he is a doornail. He died yep. another death. Just now, though, that's, absolutely, that's what happened. As he fucking deserves. Um, now I this is this has happened before, and I'm really I'm excited for this. I think because I can I can kind of sense where this is going. So this is this movie has a perfect hundred percent critical score uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which which will come up in, in a little bit. Um, hey, Brit, Joey, do do you like lists? No. And and today, right now, I really don't like them. <laughs> I, I do, because I'm very excited for what list you possibly found for this. <laughs> I'm sure there's like 5,000. I know. You have to make it a choice. I thought there would be two. I thought there'd be like, you know, the the best whatever and, you know, like uh, Humphrey Bogart things. And yet those exist. But like, I didn't find as many as I was thinking I would. And so I picked this list. Because at the very end of this list, I'm going to ask a question kind of about the film. So uh, at, from Stacker.com from May of 2021, they had uh, a list of the best Westerns of the 1940s. So that's that's where we're going with. Um, I will tell you right now, I've seen almost none of these movies on this list. Okay. Number, ten, number 10, a movie called They Died With Their Boots On. Everybody's favorite. Um, number nine, The Westerner. So you got Western right in there. Um, William Wyler film, you know, big, big name director there. Uh, number eight, and not the first time we're going to hear a John Ford film on here, a film called She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. Uh, number seven, Yellow Sky. Number six, I think the first time we've seen this character on screen, The Mask of Zorro. Uh, number six. Number five, another John Ford film, Fort Apache. Number four, another John Ford film, My Darling Clementine. Number three, and a movie I I, I have heard of, at least, uh, uh, by Howard Hawks called Red River. Number two, and a movie I actually have seen, uh, The Oxbow Incident. Um, Henry Fonda's in oh, it. Oh, I've Pretty, seen that. Yeah, it's a good flick. Yep. It's a good okay. flick. I've seen that. But number one is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So I ask you both. Is the treasure of the Sierra Madre a Western? I don't think it is from my definition, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. It's not my forte. It's not what I usually gravitate towards, but it's it doesn't feel like a Western to me. Yeah, I, I don't think of this as a Western. Like just because you wear Western hats doesn't make you a Western, right? <laughs> I, I I agree. I I mean I I agree as well. And you know, and I I I think I wanted to find this list because I 
I think I probably watched the same making of documentary that you did, Britt, and, and possibly you, Joey, where they talked about like how the producers themselves didn't know how to market this film. Yeah, yeah I saw that. And it yeah. is, it is, it's a film that is, you know, you've got Humphrey Bogart, who at that point might, might have been the biggest movie star that we had, who's playing like a, I don't want to call him like just a shit heel, but playing like a really kind of despicable character, like a very unlikable character. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw many times people calling him an anti-hero, and I was like, he's not an anti-hero, it's just because it's Humphrey Bogart that you want it to be, because the guy, he's just a, he's, a, a, you know, a bad guy, like, who's, yeah. he's just a user, like, he's probably, you know, like, he's, there's not an anti-hero, he's, at no point does he do the right thing, even if it's just to serve his own interest, he just... He completely sabotages everything. Like so, I, I, say, I, I. Oh, sorry. Go for it. I was just going to no, say no, no, go, one go, go. time. One time he does do the right thing when he beats the shit out of that guy in the bar. He doesn't take all his money. He just takes the money that's owed to him and Curtin. That's it. So he does. That was the a right small thing detail. One time. I really enjoyed. I did enjoy <laughs> that detail. That that felt more about the police though. That <laughs> because then. That that felt more like I don't want to go to jail again than to be like okay I'm not going to leave you with anything. I think if he could have gotten away with it, he would have taken everything because it was a very clever detail. And I think that was there was an attempt, but he's just at no point was I rooting for him or like it was just Humphrey Bogart being really good at something. But the character very unlikable. I have a whole thing about like. I, I had a question. Is Dobbs an anti-hero? Because it, I also saw that and it really pissed me off because I was like, no, that he's not the definition of an anti-hero in my humble opinion. And I I, I have that written down, too, because no. Mm-mm. Well, and, and I like that we're, you know, we're already kind of skirting around like, you know, like what, you know, what what is what is a Western and what is an anti-hero? Like, and, and those are those are terms and genres that are they're really malleable. Like everybody's going to have their own view about that. And like for me, an anti-hero is clearly somebody who is doing something wrong, but I kind of want them to get away with it. Right. The the Walter Whites, if you will. Right. Like you. And actually, I also had a, a question in here saying, is it an anti-hero or is it a villain hero? Because is Walter White an anti-hero or is he a villain hero? Is he someone who's doing the wrong thing, but we're still rooting for him? Or is he like Logan in Logan, a guy who doesn't necessarily always do the right thing for a for one reason or another, but does the moral thing at a certain point? Sure. In order to better humanity. Well, and Breaking Bad is so long that I think we get to see Walter White go back and forth between those things. Agreed. But I think with with our good friend Dobbs here, I I just don't. I'd never want him. I'm never rooting for him to to get all the gold or get, I don't know. You know, it's I I'm not. I mean, we won't jump to the end yet. But yeah, I'm definitely not like. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, you. Sh- shot somebody and tried to get away with it like I, i'm not i'm not ever with him on that yeah right and, but no, like, even like the stuff with this the, the, the stuff with cody afterwards it was just like man you're not even considering other people and you know it goes also you know when they're in that um like the hostel or whatever back in tampico and he's like i just want just enough right and like ultimately he's just you know he thinks what he wants he thinks that he is something, but then you see it went later scene when they're kind of talking about what are they what are they going to do with the money and 
Walter and Curtin kind of have plans, and what's Dobbs' plan? Like, wear some clothes. Like, there's just no substance to him. Like, he's not doing anything for a greater good. It's just kind of greed and, and a little bit of insanity, right? Like, he's, he's, just, he's an asshole. I just like the idea. I don't think he has motivation. <laughs> wear some clothes. <laughs> well, he did need a new hat, so... It's okay if he bought bought some new clothes with his his newly found gold, but yeah, I just dub dub sucks. Let's be real. Well, and and what I so and and he, you know we've already we've already launched into the movie, which is great, and, and that I I we we're not we don't need to delve anymore about like plot wise. Um. So I love that we I like this this movie started off with with strong promise to me. I really liked I really liked not knowing shit about these people. Like they're just here. Why are they here? I don't know, but they're here and they're dealing with their present circumstances and they're just, you know, they're going to they're going to get by and I thought that the movie started with uh a lot of promise. And then and then well and then we meet Pat McCormick. And this is just one like Do we do we need this chunk? Do we need this ten minutes of them being duped by a guy that never feels like it really comes back into play? No, because it. I think the. I. I don't. It never. I don't even know what to say because it didn't really need to be there except to how they got the money to do the next thing. Like it. It didn't. It was weird. Like the, Like, you know, it got them the money. Back plus Lotto. But ultimately, like, all right, Dobbs is Dobbs is easily duped. So maybe that's why he's so paranoid. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. And if that's what it was, I don't think it was effective. I mean, I think that they were trying what I got from it, because I'll say right now that my favorite scene in the whole movie was um, the bar fight because it was just so ridiculous and it felt so realistic and that they all sucked and they sucked at fighting and <laughs> nobody was coming out on top of this but there was just something I was like okay I'm actually behind what's happening right now and the little thing with the with the the money him only taking what's owed to him um, I think it was just showing their desperation but they've already set up that desperation so I, I do think you could cut out exactly. my favorite scene of the fight you could cut that whole thing out and we'd still get to the same place you could just have the two of them meeting on the bench talking and then going to where they meet uh, Howard and and kind of like deciding to go into prospecting there. There's there are options. I feel like that was it, it was really just like unnecessary. Yeah, I, I do love, though, I, I like what you said, that we have no idea how they all ended up in Tampico. Like, I like that. Like, I, I didn't need some. You know him writing in his diary on the bench or some nonsense like this is just they exist here whatever whatever got them here that it happened who cares and i think it makes it it does it should it should add to um things but i just i don't think the rest of the movie could pay off tampico yeah that's fair i mean and, and it builds a lot of intrigue um you know, and and there's a whole. I mean, obviously, we hear a lot um, from from Howard about like just what what his experience was with prospecting and and um, 
and there are some great little one like you know never uh, I never never met a prospector who died rich and there's little just little quippy one-liners that are like yes of course and uh, and he, he paints this picture and obviously we get Bogart's uh, Dobbs's obsession right right from the get-go like you could just see in his eyes even though he's saying oh, I wouldn't need that much you can see he's like no nah, I, I, I want way more than what you're talking about and um but yeah and then when we when we finally kind of when they when they make that decision to just yeah we're gonna we'll pull all our money and we'll go if i mean i think from that point on the movie really just kind of just kind of plateaus yeah i i think if it wasn't for howard because i think howard is great if it wasn't for howard i i don't know that i i i don't know that i could have stayed in the mountains with them well, he does bring such a such a great energy. Like, yeah, there are times where I feel like he's about to have an opinion. Like, I think what, like the first like when they when they're t- discussing whether or not they're gonna just divvy it all up at the end, or if they should divvy it up each day. And like, he makes these little glances and like goes, "Well, no, whatever, whatever you want to do, it's fine with me." But like, you could tell he's like he's got an opinion on it. He's really kind of holding his cards close to the vest, which I I enjoy. Um. And yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like, without if there wasn't that kind of a smart, crazy prospector type character out there, I don't. I'm not sure what would what would keep the story going. Yeah, because like the whole like I liked I liked that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. It might be my favorite when they talk about splitting up the goal because you really see like the, the Dobby's eyes like switch, and you know we've been talking about when when you know Howard talks about what is trust in you know, trustworthiness versus honesty, like, that's all interesting, but again, I don't think it's something that they really fully get to, because then it just turns into Dobby's kind of very quick downfall, and they kind of move Howard out quickly, because he's more interesting, is what I think, at least. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be perfectly honest, when I watched this movie, I was really excited about this film, I, um, this was like one of the ones I was really looking forward to. And I've just decided don't look forward to anything and just let it come to you. Because if I look forward to something like I did with Get Carter, it's just going to disappoint me. And I kind of left this movie with absolutely no inspiration. Um, usually I leave a film and I know what I want to research. I know what historical events I want to look into. I mean, God, with Seven Samurai, I like completely like read everything I could about the Shogun era and the history of samurai. And with this, I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll look into prospecting. I didn't. Maybe I'll look into 1920s Mexico. I didn't. Like there was nothing in it that really spoke to me and made me want to come back to it. So the fact that I watched this movie three times for this episode was so difficult to get through because I was hoping I'd find something more in it every time I watched it. And I feel like I lost more every time I watched it because it became less and it it somehow became less interesting to me. I, I no longer tried to look for anything. So I I feel like it's it's fair to our listeners another peek behind the curtain. So we 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 had we pushed off the recording of this, which and so that we you know I Sorry. I know us no stop it. So just to yeah. just so that we could keep it fresh in our minds, I knew we would all try to revisit it again in in anticipation of of recording. And and I I had a moment, and it's the same moment that Dobbs has the first day of um of their of their driver. He's like. I think we should just pack it up and go back 
that was that was that was how I felt. Well, it was like when I started this for the third time, I was like, I think, guys, do we just fucking call it? Did we just like, right? I when I started it for the third time, I I like about I was like when they left Tampico, I was like, I remember the rest, right? <laughs> I I don't need this now for commitment purposes. I finished it because. But man, like when they were walking and Walter was doing like the that that great prospector dance, um, I was like, "Oh man, I I think I'm cool. Like I think I'm good. I finished, but I think I'm good because you know what? That the, this you know what's what, greed is the theme. So it's not like there's all these like layers to pick out. Like it's just this is what it is, right? I think Curtin, I would have liked to spend more time with him and learn more about him, but. I think that's, I don't think the movie did that. I just, I don't know. I think I liked the actor. Um, so I was like, oh, I would have liked to learn more about him. But everybody else was like, okay, I, I get it. I got it. And even with him, I got it. It's just, I, I liked him. I agree. I actually liked Curtin the most out of um, any of them. I, I thought that both Humphrey Bogart and, and Houston kind of, their performances were a little bit flat to me, to be perfectly honest. I thought, I thought Houston was great. You know, he was, but he was very one dimensional um, in, to me, just to me. Uh, and I thought that Curtin was the most interesting person on screen. I thought he was the most realized character. And I was like, I don't understand how nobody's talking about him. And when I looked back at his career after this, I was really sad to see that he really didn't go anywhere after this. He, he was hoping that this role would get him out of like B movies, but it just never, happened and I found that really sad because everybody talks about Humphrey Bogart and and how his character is was you know the inspiration for you know Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and all of which makes me think like oh god is is Hobbes the inspiration for like this toxic masculinity masculine character that we see all over the place especially in Harrison Ford movies but we don't see Curtin at all. We don't see Tim Holt. And that's so sad to me because he's actually, he's good in this movie. I like Curtin. He, it's, yeah. it's funny. He he's, has, he's the good guy. Yeah, yeah. He has the real thinkless role. And he, and he's also, um, he's also playing it so straight. Like that scene yeah. where, um, where Cody first kind of sees him when he's, when he's trying to get supplies and stuff. And he's, it would have been so easy for another actor when, when Cody starts going, you know what? I, I hear they got gold up in those mountains for another actor to go like wide eyed and be like, Oh no. Um, but the, but the close up on, on, um, on curtain is so he just, he recognizes what he's hearing. Like, Oh fuck. And then just kind of rolls with it and improvises and does his best to get out of it. And like, I actually, I, 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 I knew in my heart that the guy was going to follow them. I just kind of, you just kind of knew it. But, but I was also for a second, I was like, Damn, he might have actually gotten this guy to not follow him because I thought it was I thought it was a really good job of trying to dissuade him from from coming out there. I totally agree. I believed. I was like, am I watching something where they're just up there hunting and they're not? Like I thought that was great. I thought that was I think it was one of the most interesting things that happened. Well, I'll I'll say it then. Curtin uh Tim Holt, Curtin is my unsung hero because I really liked him. I I did genuinely like him. I think it's because everybody else was so lauded and all the things I read was like, "Oh, these are the best performances ever." And I watched it. I was like, "Oh, they're kind of just subpar in my opinion, but that's okay. <laughs> Not everything's made for me, and I accept that." And while I talk, I'm going to quickly open this non-alcoholic IPA. And we're good. He's to my go. unsung hero as well. Hey. I thought he was great, and I wanted to spend time with him. And you know, like I, I like the way the way he reacts to um, 
Cody's death and then finding out about the family stuff, like, I was like, oh, man, like, great, good job. Like, I, I liked the way that he thought about it and, like, there was processing. It wasn't just an immediate, oh, well, I'm going to, because he had to, like, he talked it out with Howard. Like, there was processing and I really, like, I liked the way he, I liked the way he made choices. Whereas Dobbs never felt like he was making choices. He was just greedy and and short-sighted, right? Like the whole thing with that lizard under the rock scene where I think Curtin was great in that yeah. and I think Dobbs was really all over the place. I know he's supposed to be, but more so than I think was appropriate. Well, I feel like Bogart stayed at the same level the entire movie. He had one one level and that's where he's that's that's where he was comfortable and that's just where he was directed and and there was no there was no chance to to try to sympathize with him. There was no chance to try to see anything more with Dobbs. He was just kind of an asshole. I do think there was some good eye acting with him, though. I like There was a lot with the eyes where I felt like I at least got where it was coming and I appreciated what he was doing. I mean, I the the making of documentary, um, or not really a making of, but the, you know, the kind of historical retrospective. Um, yeah. It definitely, I, I, there's a lot of things I was unaware about Bogart prior to like Casablanca, or you know, prior to like High Sierra, and um, I, I, I hate to, I, I'm gonna kind of sound like a dick here for a second, but uh, Humphrey Bogart used to be a very handsome man, um, back when he was coming up, and I didn't know that he used to get like it was the young, the young lover roles, and that it took a while to, for him to step into this sort of um, either the gangster role or that sort of debonair kind of lead, like like in Casablanca, um, right. In my in my limited Bogart experience of watching him, I do this does it is a standout performance for him to me because it is just so uniquely different. I liked seeing him. I think at one point I didn't mean it this way, but I won't point I go like I liked that he's kind of a loser. I liked yeah. him not sure. being in charge and like floundering and getting getting one up like like and you mentioned the 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 Gila monster under the rock. I was like I liked seeing him not be right about that because because usually Bogart. He's he's right about stuff. That's that's kind of his thing. Right. That's true. Yeah. I feel like we probably wouldn't see that with like a, a if if The Rock were in a remake of this, he would never <laughs> allow anybody to have a one up on him, you know. <laughs> I mean, he would be like beating up the mountains. Absolutely. He would beat up the rock that that uh, that monster was under, you know, okay, just hold to prove up. a point. Let's just because because we I can already tell how we feel about this movie. Quick, just quick. <laughs> we got to recast Dobbs. We got to recast Curtin and we got to recast Howard. Now, Great. Dobbs, Dobbs has already been now cast as the rock. We're remaking Obviously. it now. So who <laughs> who was playing Howard today? We're, and then we'll get to Curtin. But who is playing Howard? We need an older, slightly crazy person. Willem Dafoe. Defoe was good. Uh, I, I, hold on, I'm just you go. I'm just trying to get a name in my. I was. I, I got something. Go, John. John Lithgow. Oh my God! Yes, John Lithgow. I'm into that. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John Lithgow for sure. Okay. Oh, that's good. That made me switch. So I'm gonna go uh, even more deranged. Little Christoph Waltz. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Though he could be a pretty good Cody, like the prospector that comes up and it's just like I'm gonna come and uh, and dig here anyways. And who and who who are we giving the thankless role to? Who's playing Curtin? Who's gonna keep our our film grounded in reality? Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, hot damn! Hot damn! 
Wow. I, I, I just want him in more things anyway. So I I'm, want him in everything. I'm not even going to, I yeah. don't want to even think of another option. I'd love to see this. Yeah, the no, rock, he deserves it after his last movie, fighting a lion in a car. <laughs> Why did I, I feel like I heard decent things about that movie. I have not seen it. I haven't seen it either yet. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> Glowing anyway. recommendation. Yeah, no, I don't want to talk about it. Um, two, so two things. So uh, I, I'm going to start with Bogart for one second. Um, so I watched in this in this collection of movies I got. I watched um, a movie that he was in called Tokyo Joe, which actually I think was one of the first films shot in Japan after World War II. Um, but there was something that they did in that movie that they did in this movie, and it was very obvious. And so any time that there was somebody – that when, when and I'm using air quotes here – when Bogart was walking through the streets, whether it be of Tokyo or Tampico, but it was from behind, it very clearly was not Humphrey Bogart. Um, which also leads to another thing, and um, listen, this is uh, – this is this is the acting teacher and me coming out here a little bit, but when we uh, when when Dobbs first meets Curtin and he trips over his foot, that is the worst tripping I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it was like it's like what you would like a middle schooler would do if like showing like oh oops I'm so sorry I tripped over your foot good sir. <laughs> it oh it was so bad. That stood out, not and at that point, because I, again, I, I like the Tampico stuff, and I like him going up to John Ford and asking for the money three times. Then the trip took me out of it very much because I laughed and I shouldn't have. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what we're doing here, folks. Yeah, that trip was uh, basically it, downhill. It was like, okay, all downhill from here, and I was right for myself. Oh man. This is reminding me. I, 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 this is this is great. I'm digging this. When so, like, I think it was in our second season. Ian and I did Breathless, which Jean Luc Godard film is credited as being one of the real French New Wave films that broke barriers. And I was excited as all fuck to watch it. And then we got on mic to record, and we were both like, "This film was fucking stupid." And we were both like, "Nah, nah, we're gonna we're gonna rip on Breathless for an hour or so." And I wasn't sure coming into this how how we were all gonna feel. I I assumed Brittany might not like it, but Joey, <laughs> you're the wild card on the table for me. And so. So so here we are. We're we're here. We're un, unlike the crew of people mining gold. We're all in agreement on on this. We're we're not. So yeah, I guess like where what are I mean? I know we've already talked about some, but like, what, is there a, like okay? Maybe I'll phrase it this way: Is there a good movie in here, or is it just too? Is it kind of too broad? I, I think that's the problem. I think it's it's. I don't think it's trying to say enough. Like, I think it's just like, oh, look, it's greed and we're, there's gold and here's fool's gold. And oh, no, now he's dead. Oh, no. And now he's a doctor for some reason. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know where we would get there. Are we are we can we talk about that? Absolutely. This is. Yeah. Let's talk about being a doctor. I literally stopped it because. You know, I, I was good. I had my phone. I was committed, even though I was not enjoying it. And then that happened. I had to rewind it about 10 minutes because I was like, oh, what did I miss? And it was, I didn't miss anything. It was just, they were like, oh no, a kid's sick. Come, come on. 
you're the oldest in the group. You got to help us. You're the only one that can speak Spanish. So let's go. Even though he actually couldn't. Now, I've gotten into this debate with my wife before, but and so I want to I want to bring it up to, to both of you. Now, when you were kids, I, I don't think there's any good science behind this. But when I would like if I was choking or if I was coughing, my mom would instinctively tell me to put my arms up. Yep. Now, I don't know if that actually does help, but I, I remember talking it to... Opens, it opens... It, it strains out the airways. Okay, okay. Well, I remember saying this to Melissa, and she was like, why would you do that? I'm like... And on, I, was, I was like, honestly, I don't know. My, my mom just said, do it, and then I did. But so, like, the, uh, the crazy arm movements of him, like, flailing this poor child around, I was like, I... Like, this... Listen, listen. This... Howard is killing this kid. This kid had a shot. Yes. It's, it's Beforehand... It, it, he's dead. <laughs> this kid is dead now. Um, and then I love that he becomes like <laughs> like a god to them. the mayor. He breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, but like he that kid, like when he was shaking him around, I was like, oh, okay. So, and then to be completely honest, I was like, all right, so he's going to kill the kid, and then that he's going to have to, Dobby's going to have to help him or some shit. And instead, they made him like a pineapple crown for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> There, this movie is full like so and there so there's a moment where and I know this because I, I, I timestamp this so we're about 47 minutes into the movie and this is right around where um, Dobbs is starting to talk to himself like oh you think I'm gonna do that huh well and then we you know but, but not a good sign when a man starts talking to himself and then we kind of transition this is and this is right before we get to the the Gila monster moment but like I remember thinking here what like what where is this movie possibly going to go to keep me interested and then there are like moments where you think something's going to happen and like i got to be honest I, when when cody died i was like okay i don't know this guy and then i felt like they tried to force us like oh he's got a wife and kid like well then this dumb fuck shouldn't be out here what are you doing <laughs> or switch the order of things like get make it a who cares this movie's already longer than it has any business being right so don't have the 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 federal the fake federales come have him hang out for a day and talk about his family and he's up there and he like build some sort of like before so maybe like be, listen if you die you're never going to make me care about you after unless you're like next level filmmaking so like it's just it didn't work it, everything happened so fast and nothing happened at all at the same time and I was a little bit impressed that they managed to do that. That's, but a, it, great, that's a great way of phrasing it. That was great. You're very yeah, welcome. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. It's just like, oh, and Cody died. I don't know if you guys saw. Cody died. Did you see? He's dead. Wait, who's Cody? Oh, wait, that guy. He walked up the hill. Yeah, and... In, in a gunfight that everybody should, like, I don't know. Everybody like, should have died. Some... Yeah. I, I will say. Oh, oh, go for it. You could go, you say it first, friend. Oh, I was going to say that. I will say I was pretty impressed that they actually showed them reloading. Yeah. That was cool. That's, that's, hey. That's... One good thing to say about the film. They reloaded their guns. There it is. And, you know, I, I I love the quote when badges, we don't need no stinking badges. Like I, I did thought that was like Bugs Bunny. I didn't realize that was from an actual movie. So I, I like that. Like I, I, I like the, I like Gold Hat. I, I don't think he was an intimidating bad guy or a or a or a clever <laughs> liar. But, um, you know, I thought he was, you know, I, I, I appreciate uh, 
incompetent yet sarcastic villain. You know what? Can this whole movie actually just be about Gold Hat and like what Gold Hat saw from around? That would have been. I would far. I would much rather watch that film than. To watch. be completely honest, Gold Hat trying to like lead this ragtag group of like terrible bandits would yeah. be hysterical. I'm into it. I'm I'm super into that story. Like just like they just go places. Like they go into a bank and be like, "We're bankers." Like just they just keep pretending to be things with having no knowledge of what those things are and just getting yeah. offended that people ask. Like, <laughs> there's, like there's, they, a, there, there's a great version of the movie where they are the ones trying to mine gold and they have no fucking idea <laughs> what Can they're we doing. Have that movie, I want that movie. I'm in on that. In. It's way <laughs> more interesting. Shovels. Than these shovels. We have no stinking shovels. <laughs> Yeah, that's a perfect movie. Into that one. Uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite moments from the uh, the retrospective is they have they have a couple of film historians really just te- like telling you exactly why this movie is brilliant, and yeah. um, the you know and like the the wonderful Leonard Malton whose opinion I it should be listened to and and given some credence t- talked about how wonderful. Um, we said that initial reviews, the biggest, the biggest negative was the score is like, I disagree. I think the score is wonderful. I'm like, mm, no, not, not really. I don't think the score is very good at all. I think the score my fifth is- note, music is horrible. Please change it. <laughs> it's just weird. It felt like a cartoon. Like I felt like Bugs Bunny should be hopping around on this mountain, not people. Especially with the tone that I feel like they were, kind but not of like Bugs Bunny, for. like like Fugs Honey, like the bootleg version. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Fugs Honey now. Also, can he be in Jenko jeans, just like Bugs Bunny was at some point? Exactly, like '90s bootleg, like only get it like like spray washed at Six Flags, but that that uh, version. Fugs Honey going looking and looking for some gold. I'm so into this. <laughs> Is he also going to meet up with Gold Hat? Because that, I'm sold. Oh, man. Yeah, Gold Hat's in there. Because, like, at no point, I don't know. Because, again, I think it goes back to the movie, like, good setup. But then, like, at no point do I believe that Dobbs can hang in a firefight. Like, that's never been talked. Like, that's never been discussed. Like, so it's just, okay, all right, yeah, fine. He's holding his own. Now, Golden Hat and his posse are not set up to be, you know, Good. So I, I guess that's kind of the balance. But it's just at this point, it's so weird. But they think it's grounded, so it makes it really difficult to stay in. I watched a lot of YouTube reviews of this because I was like, all right. And it was just a bunch of people talking about how great this was. And I was like, hmm. And then, you know, the... The, the, the internet got me. So then, like, a, this movie was popping up all over Twitter friend of the pod mike from cinemas talking said some nice things about it and i wanted to be like really mike <laughs> and, and i trust mike mike has one of my usually one of my like favorite opinions of you know people who, who i listen to like he's great and smart but i was like Ugh, all right and but so it was just like i couldn't figure like at some point i was like all right am i missing something but then uh, everything they were saying i was a agreeing with i just didn't think it worked or liked it 
it's one of those movies where I'm like, okay, I can see that this was the reason that we got a lot of other films. Um, it's the reason. Sorry, uh, let me try that again. I just burped. <laughs> um, uh, this film is the reason we have like Indiana Jones, let's say. Spielberg has said he loves this movie. Uh, and it is just because it is a movie that is uh, seen as an inspiration, does that mean it deserves to be held on a pedestal? Because people can take the ideas that are in this movie and make them better, which they have. Harrison Ford. The Prospector in Toy Story 2. <laughs> fair, fair. Like, you know, Kelsey Indiana Grammer Jones... could have played our old, our, our Howard in our new version oh, as, as an idea. Yeah. yeah. With Prospector guy. Sorry, that that's derailing. Where... No, but I. I you no, know my what? original I... thought was that that brought me to David Hasselhoff for some reason doing it, just drunk. <laughs> oh my God, please. Please, David Hasselhoff in that role. That would be incredible. <clears throat> Him acting with Idris Elba? Oh, my God. I mean, that'd be like me acting like Idris Elba. He would get exposed. (laughs) Okay, but I also want to see that, too. (laughs) Me, too. Um, I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say that Indiana Jones is based on Hobbes, but he's an actual anti-hero, whereas Hobbes is just a jerk-ass, right? So, it, like... Does it make sense to hold something to a pe- on a pedestal, even if it's influential? But, you know, even 38 on the AFI top 100, like, I don't know, like, Houston has, I don't know, Maltese Falcon is better, and it's these two. So let's reward that. We don't need to then kiss this S. This is S as well, because I, I don't know. It, influential is great, and that's important. And that you know, I'm not saying this should be erased from memory, but I think that you know it served its purpose as a cool history note with the father son Oscar winners. Like there's yes, interesting great. things, and I think that's where it can live. Yeah, and, and I I do think that there is a true like um, Americana love for this film. What wh- where it doesn't appear is the sight and sound two fifty either on the critics or the director side. It doesn't. It's it's not there. Not surprising. Yeah. And 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 I do think that there is a lot of of like you know golden golden age of Hollywood love for this film. And, and but then you mentioned you know, um, you know some of the other films of his and uh, and Maltese Falcon in particular. You know the other thing that I and I I mentioned this to, to I was like talking to myself before when Brittany had popped on and I was reviewing the films of of John Huston's that were in the book and the, and I got confused because like oh I was surprised that Key Largo which is another John Huston film that I have seen is wasn't in the book um, came out the same year as Treasure of the Sierra Madre um, and it also has Humphrey Bogart in it, but also, but he's in it with, uh, it's Edward G. Robinson and Lauren Bacall. And, um, I wanted to see if I could get a, like a, a brief enough, um, uh, synopsis so you can understand kind of what it is. Army veteran Frank McLeod, Bogart, arrives at the Hotel Largo in Key Largo in Florida, visiting the family of George Temple, a friend who served under him and was killed in the Italian campaign several years before. He meets up with his friend's widow, Nora, and his father, James, who owns the hotel. Because the winter vacation season has ended and a hurricane is approaching, the hotel has only six guests. 
Dapper Toots, Burrish Curly, Stone-Faced Ralph, Servant Angel, Attractive but Aging Alcoholic Gay Don, and a sixth man who remains secluded in his room. And that man is a, uh, a gangster. And then the gangster ends up like overtaking the hotel, not knowing that Humphrey Bogart... Oh, there goes my headphones. Not knowing that Humphrey Bogart used to be in the, um, in the army. And it ends up, it's a noir, but it's all, it's self-contained. And so that they've got to kind of deal with each other. And I, I really enjoy Key Largo as a movie. Like I think film noirs, some of them are so similar that you've got to find something different. And so making everybody have to stay in the same place, because if you go outside, there's a hurricane coming like, well, that's interesting. You got to, you all have to deal with each other. I, I really like Key Largo and that movie sounds awesome. I want to watch that. But, but like it's. You know, and and uh, it won Best Supporting Actor that year at the Oscars. Or no, it didn't. That was, um, sorry, that's clearly not true because our guy here did. But it was up for <laughs> an say. Oscar. It was, up, it was up. Yes, I'm very wrong. Uh, he, he, the guy was up for Best Supporting Actor. Um, but it also makes, it's interesting because Bogart is in two highly acclaimed films that year and doesn't get nominated for either of them. No. Which is just kind of kind of crazy that, I mean, in a world where Bogart's the biggest star, no no nomination for you, good sir. He eventually got that Oscar, so, you know, I would have been really disappointed if he won for this role because I found Dobbs to be so one-note, personally. Right, and that's why it's so funny about, like, the Americana lore to this because that's so much what it is. It's Every review you read and see, it's so much about, like, the American movie. This is the American this, and it's, you know, it's it, there's no, you know, if Dobbs is the star, this isn't like, I'll pull yourself up by the bootstraps movie, right? This is about greed and taking and not trusting and, you know, no collaboration. And you know, it's, it's anti so much. So it's just kind of this like, all, like to the left of Westerns. I don't know. I saw somebody call it, a few people call it like a Western noir. And I think that's just because it was Bogart in a Westernish movie <laughs> that they just didn't know what to call it. So Bogart and, surrounded by dust. Yeah, so they're like, ooh, instead of on the instead of shadows on the shades, it's shadows on the tents, and <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's just it's it's interesting because I, I love people being passionate about things they like and whatever things don't work for me. But I don't know. Like even just looking at it, like there's just better things out there made by yeah. the same people. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you mentioned the, the I did I did kind of like the um the way that it was shot and I I my favorite shot was um like the when when Dobbs is looking into the fire and the the flames get bigger and it's kind that's of That's the best end. shot of the movie. But yeah. yeah, that's my favorite shot. And and it, I, that's it, the best it's, shot. It's a bit it's it's still a little heavy-fisted with the theme like, you know, he's you know, he's being corrupted. He's like he's crossed that line. But I I as as the shots go, I I I really enjoyed that for for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great shot. It works. It it's, it's storytelling because again this, this isn't this isn't a deep movie um i think it you know thinks it is but i i think that's one of the few places it actually it actually trusts the audience to kind of figure things out a little bit and doesn't just like you know a, a whole conversation about how i don't trust you instead of you know working it out somehow it's it's, it's interesting so I, I actually that's my favorite shot by far same we're just really you know, in the same wavelength right now joey as it should be. Agreed. It's like La La Land all over again. Let's talk about La La Land again. Yeah, let's just talk about that movie instead of this one. Um, I, I, well, I, I, I would, I would like to maybe share uh, my unsung hero 
Um, which, by yeah. the way, um, going with with Curtin probably should have been what I did, but instead, uh, I went with the real, the true, um, the true heroes of this film, and I'm going with the Burrows. Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> they're mine. Yeah. They're mine. Uh, I mean, they were the ones doing the hard work. Let's really let's be were. real. They were they were lugging shit and and having to and deal I'm sure with they crazy dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that, Legit. that probably happened. Yeah, all right, and they were the ones who helped figure it out at the end. They figured out that the they were plot the pivotal guys with. Yep, they actually made sense. So they, they made more sense than a lot of other plot points. So yeah, I, I love that. That's a really good. That's cl- that's a clever unsung hero. This is off topic, but I just remembered it. In the retrospective, did either of you hear them say, I, I, I didn't have time to go back and re-listen to it because I was listening to it on the way here, actually, while I was driving. Um, <laughs> but they said that they had Mexican stuntmen who were paid 40 pesos a day. And they said that they were allowed to be shot at, but they couldn't be sh- killed. Did did. I hear that correctly in it. There was something about like how they could be shot at or maybe hit, you know, in the leg, but they couldn't be killed. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. What they have the rocks rider that they can't lose a fight. Like, I don't know. We can totally cut this, but I was just, I don't think they're, you know, (laughs) I guess they didn't want the the locals to be getting to losing the fights. That's why they had to kill Cody. Okay, it's the yeah. rocks rider. You can't lose a fight. There was there was something in there about it, and I I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, that's there's it, it's close to that for sure. Yeah. Okay. I was I, just see, like uh, Houston might have been nuts, but I don't think he was using real bullets on this. I I thought I thought you were gonna gonna mention that he he about I, about him taking a little Mexican boy named Pablo home with him. Yeah, he did. Who then ran away to st- <laughs> He just stole a boy. Kids. He, he, Pablo came home, didn't tell his wife that he wasn't with for very long, that Pablo was coming home. And then Pablo grew up in L.A., married a woman, had three children, abandoned said woman and went back to Mexico and became a used car salesman. Yeah, well, you know, if you're kidnapped and you can escape. Yep. Like Houston just stole a boy. Well, you know, some people take some people take you know their their outfits from perform from movies they're in. Some people take a prop or two. He stole a human from another country. Oh my god, that's nice. Imagine he stole Robert I, Blake, baby. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robert Blake. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's. A, I do still shit from shows I'm in. That I, that absolutely is a, a true thing. I think everybody does. But have you have you ever been like, I'm gonna steal a makeup girl? <laughs> I uh, no no I have not. That's that's true. That's true. I have I have morals, and that's where I draw the line right there. <laughs> no yeah. kidnapping. Can't do it. Right. Like Can't listen. Do it. You you take a shirt or like you have a gun prop so you take it like it led the funny bit and this, you know and this is the end like that's funny, it's fake you know it's not a, it's not a human that's <laughs> it's gonna have kids that he's gonna abandon and just you know unfortunately propagate trauma that wasn't even his fault because he was taken. He's probably he had a lot of trauma. I did think a positive thing. I did want to go to Durango 
and Tampico. I thought both of those looked really cool places. Like, I really, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I could go there. My I think they did a good job of, like, creating the world, yeah. Well, my unsung hero was almost the location because it was the first time that Hollywood shot on location outside of the United States, which is pretty incredible. And Yeah, boy got stolen. Great job. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Oh, no. First time for everything, I guess. But uh <laughs> Uh, but they, you know, that it was almost my my unsung hero because it, it was pretty incredible to see all of these places that they were shooting and uh, this incredible land that they were probably abusing. And yeah. But and to that, I do love Howard's whole thing about like, all right, the land gave us so much now we have to take care of it. So like there was this idea of like, you know, respecting where you came from. And I, yeah. I to, to assume that that led to the larger picture of the movie when a human was stolen, I, I doubt it. But I, I do love the sentiment and that, you know, that old prospectorness of like, all right, yeah, like we're do this, but, we, you know, things are going to go dark. So we have to respect it for, you know, some karma or whatever. Yeah. And, and that there's a ritual there. And, and when they even when they left, it was like, goodbye, mountain. And it just I, I, had, a, I had a teacher in grad school whenever he would walk into his office, he would go. Hi, office, and I, I just, I loved it so much. I was like, this is, this is amazing that people like it's this. Great. Exist. I think that's so, cool. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's just maybe him saying goodbye to the mountain would have seemed more ridiculous if I didn't know somebody in real life who said hello and goodbye to rooms and things. But like, I do, and I'm like, that's amazing. That's so I, I buy it. It's a nice little detail. Yeah, you know what? And I, that's someone who's lived in it, right? Like. You know, it, it's he's lived up and down the mountains. Like, we've seen him. He's, they call him a goat that he's literally, you know, not in, like, greatest of all time, but that he's literally <laughs> sprinting up a mountain vertically. Dude, dude, like, dude, 20s prospectors, he fucking is the goat, man. He yeah. is the goat. There you go, living in 50 cent a night hostels. But, <laughs> but, like, there's a respect for it. Like, he's been through it. Like, he knows the cycle of it. Like, he knows how it has. Like, there's a respect, and I appreciate that because... You know, it's like when you see movies about sailors and, you know, when they get on land, they're a little, that's where their sea legs are. Like those things where somebody's lived in something, I do really appreciate because I, at least they're thinking about further what brought somebody here. And, you know, it's more, you feel it more lived in. Even if you're not aware of it, it's just, it's more, it's real. For sure. I, in the in the retrospective, something that they, they kind of casually threw that right before this John Huston was directing No Exit on Broadway, which is that Jean-Paul Sartre, like, just existential crisis drama. Um, yeah. But then and I then I was thinking about theater, and I, I think that there's, a, you know, somewhere within this, I think there's a really cool stage version of this play where they kind of skip Tampico, and they're just out. Yeah. They're just kind of out in it, and it's more contained to kind of, like, maybe it's just, like, the area I, I, there's something i don't know like there's something about this like the themes are the themes are big and and given the the cast and the creative team behind it 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 almost seems like a slam dunk like this should like this sh on paper this should have been this should have like blown us away and yeah yep and i don't know if it's just like and because of i don't know if it's like a, a code thing where they couldn't get his you know maybe as nasty or dirty with it as they would have liked because i think i think part of it too is like the i think there's like a, a true evil kind of uh, uh, of of seeing like seeing greed take over to um a more yeah. extreme version but yeah but i feel right. like 
one of the biggest things that they they were upset that they couldn't put in there was um, Dobbs being beheaded. And I don't think we lose anything not saying that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, yeah. It, we know me. I love gore. I'm a gore hound. I will watch any gory movie out there. And I was just like, yeah, if that had been in there, it would have been great. I would have been happy to see Dobbs' head go, uh, you know, like rolling away while they're just trying to put his boots on. That would have been a cool shot. But I don't think it was necessary necessary for it. Um, I'm not quite sure what they could have added in that if if the haze coat wasn't a thing, I'm not sure what they could have added in that would have made this more hard hitting for me. I, they could have made, I think, the three of them like grittier, just language, sure. like just everything could have felt more tougher. Like at yeah. no point did it feel like they were like struggling for months up there. Like it just, they're all cleaner than they like. Oh yeah, definitely cleaner they, than they should have been. Like, but like just like language things like that. You know, maybe put a woman in here, but you know, we don't. What no, we don't. We don't want to destroy it for. <laughs> women would destroy this movie. We already know that women destroy everything, according to to Crowder, Krauser. I, I, I don't I, care I, what his name is. <laughs> asshole according to that asshole women i hope you never call him by his name again that'd be a really never will i'm just gonna refer to him as as that guy the pile of bones i like saying it like crosley bowther is what we're gonna call him now we're just gonna switch consonant sounds i love it i want to read him review little women it's like what is this there's only (laughs) there's one man and he's only in it for two minutes Oh, wait, sorry, Lori's in it too, but <laughs> Lori, who cares? Who cares about Lori? I don't. Anyways, we don't need to talk about Little Women as much as I would love to just sit and talk about Little Women for ages right now. I just, I don't know. I think, I hope Curtin, I hope Curtin, you know, sometimes I like to think about what, what you know, what does the next like month look like for these people in these movies? I hope Curtin and Cody's wife get married, have a nice life together. He deserves it. Is he gonna tell Some her trauma that he, bonding? Trauma bonding, but is he gonna tell her that he um, voted to kill her husband prior to her husband dying by bandits? I think Listen, he leaves that out. You, yeah, why get bogged down <laughs> in facts? Yeah, I think you know. Listen, Dobbs was an animal, but I pushed and I brought him up the mountain. Like you know, the truth is subjective. It's true. That's Those kids need it, you know. This is this is olden days. I, I think he could. Uh, I hope they have a nice life together. He becomes like a teacher. Yeah, I think Howard probably lives another five months, and then he chokes on something and dies because you know. I think he just him. I just think he marries one of the native women, and his heart I, I, just explodes like three weeks. I think he goes out with a smile <laughs> on his face. I, Howard becomes part of the mountain. Is what I think what happens. Like that's. He's, yeah, he's just. Yeah, he's one he of those the those types. My my grandfather before he died, he always used to say that when it was his time to go, he was just gonna walk out into the woods and let the woods take him. And we're like, no, you're not. How dare you? You can't do that to us. Do you know how freaked out we would be? And he could he would have done it. Like, had he not, he had a heart attack and died, unfortunately. But had he not, he probably would have been like, no one will ever be able to find me and been so content. And we all would have been like on Unsolved Mysteries going, what happened to him? He was only 96. <laughs> okay. I, I, have we, 
have we hit shots and scenes and stuff? I mean, has anything anything from like the 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 regular bits gone unsaid that we want to that we we want to shed a little bit? No, I think we nailed it. I think we I I got my points out. I think. I will say that I did think that Houston's um, Oscar speech was probably one of my favorites. It was short. It was sweet. He talked about his son and got the hell off the stage. It was really nice. I liked it. I agree. Yeah, Oscar Oscar speeches used to be pretty uh, pretty short back then. It's pretty much like I I need to get I need to get five drinks in me like stats. So I'm gonna say as little as possible and then get off and get that free booze. Yep. Um. Okay. This uh I I, I listen. I definitely don't want to beat a dead burrow. So I think maybe we're just there. I, I yeah. think we're there. Um, at some point we're just gonna get mean yeah well we've kind of we've, we're, we're teetering on it right ones. now <laughs> we're yeah. on the brink uh, so so Joey I'm gonna start with you do you think that the treasure of the Sierra Madre should be in the book of a thousand and one movies that you must see before you die of course I don't <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, listen, Maltese Falcon is in here. Maltese Falcon is great. I'm a big fan. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's Houston, it's Bogart, it's great. Houston has is well represented. I think this movie, go out, you know, I just, no. I, I, I would take it out at this point in time. Now, do you have anything that you would replace it with? I do, and... Um, it's another, I, I think it's appropriate replacement. It's a movie I can't believe is not in here. It's No Country for Old Men. Yeah. That's a, that's a stellar choice. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's, it falls under the kind of like the, the Western adjacent, Western noir, whatever you want to call them. Like it's, it's, I think it's, it's a, it's an appropriate add into the book to pr- replace it. And it's. I mean, instead of Dobbs kind of just greedy villain, it has one of uh, one of the top villains of all time in movies and it's just a fantastic movie and I, I was I was thinking movies and I was like, oh, okay, and I was like, yeah, they haven't done no they never didn't do no country over men. Nobody picked it. That's funny. And then I was like, it's not in the goddamn book. I was like, oh, it has to go in here. So that, is, that is one of the the really really obvious travesties of of this book is that 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 movie is not not in there. It doesn't make any Brutal. sense to me. Uh, Britt, do you think that the treasure of the Sierra Madre should be in the book of a thousand and one movies you must see before you die? No, I yeah. really really don't. <laughs> um, this movie is just I'm so sorry, but it is so boring and it goes nowhere, and. I understand its significance in Hollywood history. That's great. That's fine. I appreciate that. But I I will not be suggesting this to anybody. And honestly, I really just, I think there are other movies that have a similar vibe that you could go watch and get a lot more out of it. I do have a replacement. This movie that I'm going to replace it with also follows the story of people trying to make a profit out of cir- the circumstances that life has thrown at them. Like The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, this film has great foreshadowing, it has interesting and flawed characters, and a great use of location. Much like uh, 
The mountain in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I think that the ranch within this film is a character in and of itself. So I am going to go with Jordan Peele's Nope. Love that. It's a Western adjacent film and it's got an alien. So I'm just way more into it than uh, than this current movie that we watched. Fully support. Awesome. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so, so yeah, my, my answer is, is also no. Um, and at first I, I almost went with, um, I almost decided to replace it with, uh, with more of a, definitely still in the gold run, but more of a treasure hunting film. And I almost, I almost won't replace this with the Goonies, but, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. I want to, I wanted to stick more with the idea of greed and, um, how greed kind of can can influence the choices that we make um and this is i, I, I this is definitely like a, a personal favorite of mine and I, it, it came about when i was like right in in high school um so i'm replacing this with a, a film called boiler room which um is it two thousand Long Island, baby? <laughs> yeah it's 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 basically a modern day wall street but i it's got a stacked cast it's Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, um, um, uh, uh, God, why can't I think of um, Affleck? Ben Affleck, yeah, but uh, and like uh, Jamie Kennedy, Scott Conn, like it's a it's a who's who of young male actors in that time. But it 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 really like the Giovanni Ribisi character gets really sucked into this world, and we can you see the greed overtake him, and then you see him try to come through the other side of it. And it's it is just a personal favorite of mine. Um, but I do think it's something that that everybody should see. And I gotta say, our replacements here are fucking awesome. I am like in love with the movies that we are we are replacing this one hundred percent approved IMDb two fifty just like national national film registered film. Um, we're saying no. We're saying no to you, John Houston and Humphrey Bogart. Aggressively no. <laughs> yeah, you've already got the Maltese Falcon. You're good. You don't need to be in this book again. That um that is a that is a a unanimous decision from uh, us here folk at a uh, thousand and one by one. So um so that's what we think of of this film. But you know as always we want to know what you think. So you know find us on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can interact with us there. You can listen to us on all the places where you can listen to us. Uh, and I'm gonna um I'm gonna jump to the left and step to the right and let Brittany talk a little bit about what we're covering next. Well, next, next time on this pod, we are going to go through the velvet darkness of the blackest <laughs> night into the Frankenfurter's Banner. And we're going to do the time warp, y'all. We're going to tackle the lovely and very problematic movie that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This that this is going to be a very, very, very fun conversation at at minimum. <laughs> It'll be a blast. This is so uh, in the La La Land episode, you asked like, oh, what's your favorite musical? And I God, I probably said like cats or whatever. I said something. And afterward, I was like, God, it really is the Rocky Horror Show. Like my room when I was growing up, when I was in high school, was Rocky Horror themed. So it had oh, lips wow. like big lips on the like on the wall everything was black and red like it was legit rocky horror themed so i can't wait to talk about this this film 
Well, that's ah, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, but uh, so so that is that is uh, that is all that we have for the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, but before we get over to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, my name is Adam. My name is Brett. And I'm Joey. And we will see you doing the time warp. <laughs>